This episode of Riffs on Riffs is brought to you by DistroKid. Welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the surprising connection between songs past and present and discuss the fascinating stories that make music a universal language. I'm Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, my friend? Man, I'm just living the quarantine dream, sir. Still, <laughs> we're still, still living. Yes. On the personal front, I just got a promotion, right? And I'll be, yeah, yeah, you know. I know. It's long it's overdue. Long, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So with the promotion, it also means I'll be moving from the great state of Ohio to the great state of Michigan. Whoa. So my, Whoa. Yeah, I'm going to stop you right move. there. <laughs> a, that's a move and it does not please me. But B, did you just refer to that place up north as a great state? Joe, this is what you call trying to expand our audience. That's what this is, right? So <laughs> I'm trying to bring them. I'm trying to bring them in. I'm going to play okay. along then. Thank oh, you, sorry. sir. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. it. It's still Big Ten, baby. Still Big Ten. Ugh, so can't do it. My, my family's been prepping the house to be sold. And let me tell you, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. So one thing that is the most tiresome is staging the house so it doesn't look like it's been lived in. Ugh, that is exhausting. Ugh. Tell me about yeah. it. So, you know, I think... I think we all want to channel like our inner Joanna Gaines from time to time, right? <laughs> like we all like staging a house can be a lot of fun. Like the first time you do it, but right. then, then you have to keep it that way. You got to clean it all the time. It's like this constant barrage of like, oh, don't sit there. Don't move that. Don't touch that. And it is no way to live. So, it isn't, man. You know, I get it. You want to make the house look like it's brand new. So a prospective buyer feels like it's their home and they can envision themselves in it. You know what? In a way, it's really similar to performing a cover song so well that people don't even know it's a cover. My friend, that is a perfect segue into our episode theme. So today we're going to talk about songs that you never knew were covers. And I'd like to start with a little Lopper, Cindy Lopper to be exact, and her hit song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, from her debut album, She's So Unusual. You know, most people recognize this as one of Lopper's signature songs, but I wonder how many folks even know it's a cover song. Girls Just Want to Have Fun was originally written by American musician Robert Hazard. So I truly had no idea before prepping for this episode, but I am excited to talk about it. So originally, this song was written from a male's perspective, but Lopper totally changed the energy and made it into an anthem for feminism. Now, I know that I wasn't alone in loving the song, but the impact was magnified once the video was debuted on MTV. I mean, you had me at Captain Lou Albano, right? <laughs> so yeah, so the true. song reached number two on the Billboard charts in 1983. And the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun is listed as one of the top 100 for VH1. So Captain Lou was a wrestling legend, and that video helped bring wrestling into the mainstream. But did you know that he was also the voice of Super Mario from, like, the Mario Brothers? Did you know what? that? What? Come on. I had... No. <laughs> Man, you dig deep. This is what we do here for you on Riffs. This is what we do. It's what we do. So I'm sure this song was responsible for selling a lot of jelly shoes and bracelets. Everyone remembers that, right? You had. To, <laughs> did you have a pair, Joe, at all? Did um, you have a pair? <laughs> no. 
I was not. I was, I was not one of the cool kids, Toby. I thought you knew this. Dude, I was afraid of wearing those because I thought that as much as we were running around, I felt like the shoes would just melt right yeah. on my feet. Yes. Like, it's just like Summer day and they're healthy. just gone. Pretty soon you're barefoot. It's no good. Exactly. Either that or so, it's like stuck to you for the rest of the week. Oh, you can't have that. Can't have that. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to Robert Hazard's original version, make sure you check it out on YouTube. It's not on Spotify or Apple Music. So if you couldn't add it to the playlist for this episode. But he did do an acoustic version of the song, which we will put on the playlist. Okay. And for an interesting contrast, check out the version by Miley Cyrus that we will also add to the playlist. Now I would like to direct our attention to the concept of love and not the good kind. Oh, you mean bad love. Bad love, <laughs> like the Grammy-winning song from Clapton that featured his... Oh, his, that's when he, he was like one of the first to come out with the Fender, with the signature series for Fender and mm. had these like lace sensor pickups and that like crazy tone. And yeah, drums from Phil Collins on that tune. I love that song. I didn't think it was a cover though. And that's because it's not, okay? Oh. We're not so much referring to love that's gone fully bad, just more of a tainted variety. <laughs> just, just a little bad, just, <laughs> just a little bit of peril. Well, the song Tainted Love was written by Ed Cobb and recorded by singer-songwriter Gloria Jones in 1965. The song was reworked by the British synth-pop band Soft Cell in 1981. So Soft Cell's version of the song hit number one on the UK charts and spent 43 weeks on the US Billboard 100. Ooh, that's a long time. It's a long time, dude. It's only 52 weeks in a year, so it was there. That's a, right? that's a one-hit wonder for, yeah, well done. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So it's a great song, but I had no idea that it was a cover. I mean, to be honest, I thought that Soft Cell was the original band, and then Marilyn Manson did the impossible and made a dope song, Doper. But the Gloria Jones version is like the Motown-ish version that, in my opinion, it, it captures the same passion, but with a soulful execution. Needless to say, it's definitely going on the playlist for this episode. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what in the world made Soft Cell look for this track to record. That is a really good question that seems to tie into an unintended theme for this season. Our longtime Riffs listeners know that during the first season, Bootsy! Bootsy, Bootsy baby, baby. Always, seemed, always seemed to find a way to work his way into an episode. Well, this season, it seems that songs that were originally B-sides find their way into the discussion. And this episode is no exception. Tainted Love was the B-side for Gloria Jones' single, My Bad Boys Coming Home, which actually failed to chart or generate any type of buzz for Gloria. So I'm guessing the world just wasn't quite ready for Puffy. So, But Tainted <laughs> Love was, was popularized by a British clip. You, you got that? It was a little late. I, I got yeah. that one, yeah. <laughs> Bad boy, I got you. I got you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So Tainted Love was popularized by a British club DJ by the name of DJ Richard Searling. Now, he played it and helped make it a hit in the Northern Soul Club scene in the UK. The track was so popular in the clubs that Jones actually decided to re-record it in 76 with a bigger sound behind it. So the producer of the Soft Cell version, Mike Thorne, had this to say about the comparison of Gloria's two versions. You could smell the coke on that second Northern Soul version. It was really so overramped and so frantic. It was good for the dance floor, but I didn't like the record. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did somebody spill some soda in the studio? And you, By the way, you like how I said soda and not pop, <laughs> even though I'm from Ohio? 
look, man, you don't bring beverages into the studio. It's never a good thing. You, you can't have that around the boards, people. So just, just don't do that. And well, I can I can see Eric right now pulling his hair out. They, you know, right? no, no coke in yeah. here, no drinks no, in here. No, you don't bring right? coke in there. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm not sure that that's the coke that he's actually referring to. <laughs> uh, well, do me a favor. Can you just humor me in my willful naivete, please? Well, Thorne was impressed, however, by the slower tempo and the novel way that Soft Cell approached the track. And, of course, transitioning at the end of the song to the Supremes, Where Did Our Love Go? Yeah, that doesn't hurt either. So Rihanna would breathe new life in the Tainted Love by heavily sampling it for her 2006 single, S.O.S., which went straight to the top of the charts. But she mentioned the Supreme, so let's switch gears now and chat a little bit about their Motown label mates, The Temptations. Ah, one of my all-time favorite groups. From the classic Five lineup with the incomparable David Ruffin to the psychedelic soul years that had Dennis Edwards helming the lead. And it's hard to pick between those two. You know what? Both would be high on my list of voices that I, look, if I could just borrow them for a day, that would be awesome. How about you, Toby? If you could have someone's voice, whose would you pick? So that is pretty easy. If I could borrow anyone's voice for a day, it would be the voice of a man known as Mr. Burr, sir, a.k.a. Leslie Odom Jr. Final answer, lock it in. He's in such control of his voice at all times. I mean, he's got a new album out, and I'm going to put a track on this playlist just for the heck of it. But enough about me. Which voice would you be tempted to take between Edwards and Ruffin? Oh, I see what you did there. You like that? A little tempted. You're you're subtle today. I like it. (laughs) I would certainly give the nod to David Ruffin. That that grit, that passion, like you, you can't beat that. Like it's amazing. But I have to say that Lowell George would still still might be at the top of my stolen voice list. But it is an undisputed truth that the Temptations are at the top of any greatest list. Well done, sir. Well done. So I'm I learning like from that. you. I see. I learned that. it from watching you. <laughs> well, before we get into that and take another look at more songs that we didn't know were covers, we've got to take a quick break and we'll return with Riffs on Riffs in just a moment. This episode of Riffs on Riffs is brought to you by DistroKid your ultimate partner for taking your music to the next level. With DistroKid uploading your songs or albums to online stores and streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube Music is easier than ever. Plus, you can easily pay your collaborators with splits and send large files securely to anyone with instant share. And guess what else? You can get a YouTube official artist channel for free via DistroKid. You can send credits to stores and you can use HyperFollow to promote your release. DistroKid has everything you need to succeed in the digital music landscape. But that's not all. DistroKid now offers a convenient mobile experience with the DistroKid app, available on iOS and Android. With the app, you can manage your releases, track your streaming stats, and even withdraw your earnings, all from the palm of your hand. And for the artists looking to perfect their sound, there's Mixia. With Mixia, you can put the finishing touches on your tracks in minutes, ensuring they sound polished and professional every time. And if you need to share large files securely with collaborators, producers, or playlist curators, look no further than Instant Share. It's free to send up to one gigabyte of files, and your music will stream at the highest quality, making the best impression possible. So why wait? Elevate your music career today with DistroKid and unlock a world of possibilities. Riffs on Riffs listeners get 30% off their first year at DistroKid by going to 
distrokid.com slash VIP slash Riffs on Riffs. So, Joe, before the break, you were starting to talk a little bit about the truth about temptation. Whoa, no, no, sir. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do that. That is a, it's a topic for another show that is clearly not going to be work safe. You know, I guess you're right. Going gluten-free is a life full of temptation that's not safe at work or at home, especially if there's good pizza around. Okay. All right. You need to just stop <laughs> pretending that pizza would be your biggest issue with going gluten-free. We all know your fondness for Chimay, my friend. I've, I've witnessed it firsthand that that would be the problem. That is an undisputed truth. So true. So the undisputed truth <laughs> was also the name of a singing group back in the 70s that was composed of Billy Calvin, Brendan Evans, and Joe Harris. Now, you know, some folks might not be familiar with those names, but I'm pretty sure you're familiar with some of their work. Absolutely. So Joe Harris was a former Cavaliers draft pick and now plays for the Nets. Calvin and Evans were in a group called the Delicates during the 60s and sang background vocals for Diana Ross and the Four Tops. Okay, Tom. You are right. You're absolutely correct about Joe Harris. But in this case... He was also an Olympian. Okay, yes. We are referring to a different Joe Harris, who is a very good player. (laughs) Stop it. Just stop it. You know, I'm a little sad the Cavs got rid of him, actually. He should have kept him, man. They should have kept him. The Duke of Ball. Anyway, this Joe Harris is a member of a group called the Ohio Untouchables, which eventually became the Ohio Players. So here's a question for you. In all honesty, all right, I'm perplexed. Okay, how do you go from the Untouchables to the players. <laughs> I mean, that's a 180-degree change, right? If it, Literally, you just go from no one wanting to touch you at uh-huh. all to now being in the VIP room. I feel mm. like I, I just watched, like, the greatest sports movie, like, <laughs> ever, right? In the background, Rudy, 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 oh, <laughs> right? Oh, man. Don't, don't hate the player. Hate the game. Oh, well, well, there you go. Speaking of untouchables... Did you know that I, this is a true story, once upon a time, I played Elliot Ness in a ghost tour. And I got to tell you, Tom, I did, yeah. It's a little weird playing a ghost. You feel like you have to be creepy the whole time. No smiling, nothing like that. I don't know about that. See, smiling faces sometimes show no traces of the evil that lurks within. Whoa, that's like a trifecta for you. Like, you're on fire. I'm here all episode. (laughs) <laughs> Those are the lyrics from one of the only hits from The Undisputed Truth, mm-hmm. Smiling Faces, which reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. So the interesting thing is that The Temptations were actually the first to record it in 1971. So let me paint a picture for you. Now, have you ever watched someone struggle to open a jar? So try as they might, they just can't open it. And it's not because they're weak. It's just not opening for them. Look, look, I, I loosened it for you, okay? Like, I, it's <laughs> what I'm doing over here. So, and then that same person just passes you the jar, and then you open it easily. Because I, I loosened it? Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at this situation. Temptations had plenty of hits. Giving them a great song is like putting water on a Chia Pet. Uh, look, I don't think that metaphor works. In fact, I defy anyone to give me proof of a Chia Pet actually growing. So You are a I'm Chia a, Pet hater. I, oh, God. I, I have wanted for years for a Chia a Pet Chia to work. A Chia Pet hater. That is I, your new... I love the idea. It just, it just doesn't hold water. 
Let's try something else. How about tempting a dog with French fries? Now, I don't know if, if it works exactly, but I've never seen a dog turn down a French fry. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think uh, that's a good comparison. I'll go with that. Thank one. you. Well, if there was any ill feelings about which group did a better job, it does appear that the Temptations got the last laugh. In 1972, The Undisputed Truth released a single called Papa Was a Rolling Stone on their album titled Law of the Land. This fantastic song peaked at number 63 on the charts and number 24 on the R&B charts, which is, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. But not as impressive as when The Temptations took the song and remade it into a 12-minute track for the 1972 Mm -hmm. album, All Directions. The Temptation version was a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 and won three Grammy Awards, including Best R&B Performance by a Group, Best R&B Instrumental Performance, and Best R&B Song. Man! Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, seriously! But there is one thing that just sort of I don't get, right? So the Temptations album is called All Directions. And, and truthfully, that is a perfect title for this project because I'm a little confused. Yeah, you're not the only one, brother. You're not the, you're not the only one. So the producer, Norman Whitfield, who, um, amazing producer, mm-hmm. produced both of these songs and somehow allowed both of these groups to come out with the same song within a year of each other. I mean, when have you seen this before? I haven't seen anything quite like this. I think the social media would probably, you know, completely cancel a group if it, someone tried culture. to do that today. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially, you know, with the introduction of the remix. If someone wanted to do a different version, they would just right. call it a remix. Now. Yeah, you got to put like 12 names on the end of the track and call it a remix and put out 50 different versions so everybody can make their money. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, all right. I just want to send a message to all the original songs out there. Mm. No matter how good the remix is, mm-hmm. remember this. I will always love you. Thanks, man. That's that's that, that was that's <laughs> I'm talking kind. about the songs. I mean, I, look, oh, I love you too, buddy. The but. song. I, got it now. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Which actually is a perfect transition into the next cover. So, Joe, since you're already you know in such a loving mood, why don't yes, you do sir. the honors? Absolutely. Well, those of you that have been following along at home with our previous episodes might remember this important fact about our next artist. She's Miley Cyrus's godmother. Oh, and, you know, she, she might have been a fairly successful recording artist in her own right. I don't know. You think? You used a big word earlier when talking about David Ruffin. Incomparable. And that word certainly applies to Dolly Parton. She's one of those people for whom the word star was coined. Yeah. She wrote a couple of songs one day. So she's sitting around, I'm picturing the scene, right? So gets out her pen and maybe her guitar or something back mm-hmm. in the early 70s. One day. Little ditty you might have heard called Jolene that went to number one on the country charts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And same day, another song called I Will Always Love You. The crazy thing to me is that she wrote both of those songs on the same day. Yeah. I got to know, I have to know what she had for breakfast that morning. Someone needs to give me that Pop-Tart. I need that Pop-Tart. <laughs> what flavor would that be? What, what, what flavor was that? What is that songwriting that? Pop-Tart? Icing, no icing. What are we talking about? Definitely ice. Probably sprinkles. I don't know. It's a lot. Everything. Well, the inspiration for I Will Always Love You was Dolly's decision to leave the Porter Wagoner show and start her solo career. Porter had introduced and mentored her for several years, and she wanted to pay homage to their partnership with this song. 
So it became yet another country number one for Dolly and actually reached the top of the charts in two separate decades. First in 74 and again in 1982 when she re-recorded it for the soundtrack of the movie version of The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Whoa, whoa, are we allowed to say that on a family show? What, Texas? Sure, why not? It's one of our no, states. No, 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 the other word. Yeah, never mind. Although, <laughs> you know what? This does remind me of a joke. I haven't, I haven't, oh, I haven't told this joke since fifth grade. Ready? I, Eric, you know, get ready to mute. <laughs> I suppose. Look, if you're old enough to understand this joke, then I think you're old enough to hear it. Oh, boy. I'm certainly worried. Please yeah. continue, though. You ready? Here, here goes. Yeah. What do you call Dolly Parton in a bathtub? I have no idea. And I feel like we should... Just abort this mission completely. Control no, no. delete right here. <laughs> Islands in the stream. Okay. No. Wow. <laughs> just, just wow. Uh, of course, fifth grade humor. <laughs> you are referring, of course, to the Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton duet, Islands in the Stream. Of course. I'm, I'm certainly, there's no <laughs> other meaning behind that joke. Nah, no. Nah. No double entendre there. <laughs> All right, so I've got a few random tidbits about that song. One, it was written by the Bee Gees. Two, it was named after an Ernest Hemingway novel. And three, I'm pretty sure I didn't even understand that joke in fifth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Can we move on now? Yes, please. Yes, that's a good idea. So obviously, Dolly's original version of I Will Always Love You was a huge hit. I mean, it reached number one on two separate occasions. It was so popular that Elvis wanted to cover it. Now, Joe... We've talked about this. You remember mm. that episode that we did on Shuggy Otis? We talked about how he declined a tour with the Rolling Stones and also turned down a chance to work with Quincy Jones. Yeah, how'd that work out for Shuggy? <laughs> not, not, not so good, right? So please, please tell me that Dolly did not take a page out of Shuggy's playbook. She did. What? She told Elvis, no, you can't oh my do my goodness. song. That, that should be on a shirt somewhere. She told Elvis no. I told Elvis no. <laughs> I mean, that is amazing. That's she crazy. told Elvis no. It, it, yeah, totally crazy. But turns out she, she had a good reason. So Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, told Dolly that she would have to sign over half the publishing rights. So she was like, nope, nope, can't do it. And so she, this is a quote from her about the experience. I said, I'm really sorry. And I cried all night. I mean, it was like the worst thing. You know, it's like, Oh my God, Elvis Presley. And other people were saying, you're nuts. It's Elvis Presley. I said, I can't do that. Something in my heart says, don't do that. And I just didn't do it. Look, he would have killed it. But anyway, so he didn't. And then when Whitney Houston's version came out, eh, I made enough money to buy Graceland. (laughs) Yeah, I think she made the right call. (laughs) Clearly. She turned down Elvis but said yes to Whitney, who was happy to sing it without taking publishing rights. Whitney recorded her version for her film, The Bodyguard, after her co-star, Kevin Costner, suggested it and played her the Linda Ronstadt 1975 cover. Well, here's another crazy connection. The original song they were going to feature as the lead single for the movie was a cover of Jimmy Ruffin's What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, which is a fantastic tune. Yes. Jimmy was the older brother of David Ruffin of The Temptations. And look, Jimmy had a monster voice in his own right. I, I totally dig that song. Well, for a good reason. It's an awesome song for sure. But Whitney's version spent 14 weeks at the top of the Billboard Hot 100, a record at the time. It was also a huge international success, charting at number one in multiple countries. It won Grammy for Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. 
Like Dolly, Whitney's version also reached number one in two different decades, although for much sadder reasons. A few hours after her death in February of 2012, I Will Always Love You was the number one song on the U.S. iTunes charts, and it would return to the Billboard Top 10 in the following weeks. Yeah, that, that is definitely a sad reason to return to the charts. But we still celebrate her legacy. So what do you say we move on to our next surprise cover song? I know we have a long list to tackle. I am afraid we are out of time, my friend. Mm. But you know what? I think we should definitely have a part two for a future episode because this has been fun. But in the meantime, can you tell the good people all that we covered today? Absolutely. Well, we talked about songs that listeners might not know were actually covers, including Cindy Lauper's cover of Robert Hazard's Girls Just Want to Have Fun, The Temptations cover of The Undisputed Truths, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Soft Cell's cover of Tainted Love by Gloria Jones, and Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You, covered by Whitney Houston. Well, thanks again for joining us on this crazy journey, and be sure to check out the playlist for this episode on Spotify and Apple Music. Just do a search for Riffs on Riffs. While you're at it, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. It just might help someone else stumble upon our witty banter and bad puns. Finally, be sure to dialogue with us on social at Riffs on Riffs. As always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah. Thanks for listening to Riffs on Riffs. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your Apple Podcast app. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. And assistant producer, Declan Roars. You can find Riffs on Riffs anywhere and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. I'm Toby Braswell. And I'm your co-host, Joe Watson. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.